Hi, everyone. Hello. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. We are so thankful that you're here. We know there's a lot of choices, so we appreciate you choosing us. Yes, we are so tired and our voices sound a little crazy, so bear (laughs) with us because we're really trying. We just had our first in-person event and we're still here currently. Actually, we're recording live mm-hmm. from the convention in San Antonio. So our voices are a little crazy, but bear with us. Yeah. You know, it was so cool because we, the first night, if you're not following along on social media, you should, because we had some priceless moments shared <laughs> on our Instagram story. This is just shows you the power of social media and that it could be used for good and can be used correctly. And we did a bar crawl the first night and it was so Cool because we had the registration and then people come out, but then word spread fast yeah. and it was super cool. It was so fun. <laughs> we had significant others joining us along the way. We had random people just kind of join in. We had a girl that we met and if that was you you should reach out to us but we met her dancing on the bar at coyote ugly she was dancing on the bar at coyote ugly and we were like you're awesome like come join us so it was just so fun to have that many women from all across the country you know come together at this one event and meet each other and you know I don't know I just love that. It was super powerful. And then the next day, like we did a cycling class and I just think that it was just so empowering. And and Colleen at Joyride, oh my gosh, that girl stole my soul. She She was was like amazing. Amazing, amazing. amazing. Coach's wife as well. And her husband is a basketball coach here at Trinity in San Antonio. She is a cycle instructor and she is a breast cancer survivor and honestly, just a badass woman. She literally killed us on the bike and then (laughs) also made us feel great about ourselves at the same time. So that's always a win. And we had so much fun. And then we went to lunch afterwards where they're really yeah. the best margaritas yeah la gloria was awesome so if you're ever in san antonio you need to check it out but in the future our our ultimate dream and we've shared a little bit about it but we want to have one huge all-inclusive all sports significant others fun filled weekend where everyone can come together and network and meet each other and, you know, have just a fun weekend mm-hmm. all together. So that's the goal. So please, if you can share with your friends about more than this season, um, share with everyone that could be a part of the community. I think that that would just be so helpful. We just saw the magic of it this weekend and we're like, can't get enough. <laughs> I know. I feel like we're on such a high. Like we just, we are so, so amazed by you women that are in our community and the fact that you choose to be here, like Ashley mentioned at the beginning, like it's just, it means the world to us. And a lot of people were like, we feel like we're meeting best friends in real life, which is exactly how we felt too. Like we get to meet you guys for the first time and we know so much about you because we all like follow each other on mm-hmm. social media, but then it's like in real life, you're like, Hey, you're, you're just like you are on social media. So it was really cool to meet people. And I talked to a couple of women and they were saying too, like, the power of getting to know all of these women so that when you move, you'll get Mm -hmm. to know people, hopefully that will be at the same place as you, which I think is the ultimate goal. We want you to feel comfortable in that transition period. Cause of course that's the scariest period to be in is the transition and then not knowing where you're going to be and who's going to be there. And so I think that's like our ultimate, our ultimate goal is to have you know somebody at every place that you go to. Yeah, the momentum is happening, people. The change is happening. We see it. It's super encouraging, the all-inclusive environment. And Brittany and I saw it firsthand this weekend, so pretty amazing. And speaking of empowering women, 
Claire, who we have an interview following up next, and she was just amazing to get to know. She was. We actually met her at our podcast group. If you haven't heard us mention this before, we did a podcast accelerator program with a bunch of amazing women. Again, we love to empower women. We think that's that's just what our platform is about. And we want to be there for other women that are in this industry and also not in this industry. Claire is not in this industry, but she is just one of those people, honestly, you just want to meet and talk to and hang out with. She's awesome. So she talks to us all about the wellness industry, which I think is really important right now in January. You know, everyone's kind of gearing up for this new year and There's a lot of fad diets out there, a lot of things that people think are Mm -hmm. going to help them feel better about themselves, but she kind of breaks it all down for us in this amazing, informative interview. Yeah, and if y'all have been with us for a little bit, you know that even with my story, I've struggled with self-image for a long time, and so it was super helpful for me personally because it really just broke down like, oh, where did all of this begin? (laughs) Where is the root of all this? And the fad diets, we know that you know a lot of people find success in them, and that's like temporary success for them, but please just hear her out on these because she really breaks it down and even the science of how your body is able to function after all these diets are completed. So I was blown away because I thought it was just so educational. It was really interesting. It was so funny because Ashley and I were joking, like she kept being like, okay, so it's not a diet. Like it's a lifestyle, right? Like you're not doing 30 days. And I kept being like, so what do you do? Like, what exactly do you eat? And like, how do you do the program? She's like, you need to get that out of your head. Like we're not, (laughs) we were both like, wait, what? So we're like, wait, so we don't eat sugar for 30 days. She's like, no, it's no, you don't restrict yourself. We're like, okay, so one cookie a month. It's like, so when do you start the workouts and then when do you stop doing this diet? And she's like, no, no, this is life. This is healthy, healthy, (laughs) healthy, intuitive eating. So y'all will love this episode and we will see you on the other side. You know that it's our favorite time of the week. We have a special guest here and you know that we love talking about women empowerment, women loving their bodies and who they are meant to be at their full potential. And so we have a special guest here, Claire. Yes. And we're excited because we met her on our podcast accelerator program with Almost 30 and she's going to share a little bit about her own podcast as well, but we're just going to let her dive in and introduce herself. Awesome. Well, hi y'all. Thanks for having me. I'm so pumped to be here. Uh, my name is Claire Siegel. I am the host of the Flourish podcast and also the founder and CEO of Flourish, which I'll, I'll share more about. I live in Austin, Texas right now. And yeah, like y'all said, met in, in the Almost 30 Accelerator, which was so, so fun. So sad it's over. I yeah, <laughs> I know. It was, it was a really, it was a lot of learning. We picked up a lot, but we are excited to talk about all things to do with Flourish. So kind of give us the rundown of where this idea was born. And then we know that it takes a lot of work to just get something off the ground. So please tell us your journey with all of that. Yeah. So uh, Flourish itself, Flourish is a membership that helps women break the diet cycle and sustain healthy habits. Um, So a Flourish membership includes access to credentialed nutrition and psychology experts. We do weekly group coaching um, and have, you know, additional community support. And then we also have educational modules on a variety of topics, but some popular ones are, um, you know, like blood sugar management and of course, body image, which we'll, we'll talk quite a bit about today, which I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the journey to get here. I've been running a business since 2018. I'm a registered dietitian by trade and 
what's been more significant on kind of the journey that I'm on right now with, with flourish is actually the fact that I started dieting for the first time at the age of 13, when my, as I like to say, like well-meaning, but poorly executed mom mm-hmm. put me on Weight Watchers for the first time, mm-hmm. bless her heart was just trying to do the best that she could with the information she had, I think in 2021, hopefully we see less of that, but anyway, so yeah, started Weight Watchers when I was just 13 years old and then went on to spend the next like 10 plus years of my life on every diet you can name was, you know, micromanaging every calorie I ate weighing in every day. It just was not a good, a good scene. And then, you know, finally I kind of, (laughs) I actually reached my, my quote unquote goal weight and found myself more insecure and, and less healthy physically, mentally, emotionally than, than ever before. So that's when I started like my personal journey to, make peace with food, better my body image, heal my body image really, and figure out how to approach my health, which I still, you know, do and did very much value, learn how to actually approach my health in a way that is sustainable and not just informed by diet mentality and and diet culture. So fast forward was working as a registered dietitian, left, left that job to start what ultimately became flourish, but it was very simple, kind of like a group coaching program. I I worked with women in groups all about, you know, nutrition and things like that. And I started noticing that a lot of the women that were coming to me, they shared a lot of my story, having dieted from a very young age and also had long histories with these, these programs, many of which were these like giant billion dollar tech companies that were actually doing more damage than good. They were, you know, promising to make these, these women, thinner and healthier and happier. And we're actually just leaving them feeling like more out of control around food, more insecure in their bodies. And that's kind of when I recognize like, Oh, if we take the approach that we, we use here and we take our ethos and everything that we know about women's health and and body image and how deep this stuff really goes. And if we can use technology and build our own technology platform to, to scale it, then we can really have a massive impact on the health and lives of, of women all around the world. So that's where, where we are today. I, you know, started building a, a team, a, a, you know, technologist and, you know, all the, the works it's been a long journey, but it's, it's really fun. I'm really excited about where we are and where we're going. Wow. That's so awesome. I feel like we can totally relate to you. And I think a lot of people that are our age versus the people living in growing up in society today, they had such a different perspective on their body and self-image. They didn't have these people that to look up to that had positive body image. Everyone was real thin. You know, you didn't have butts or boobs or anything like that. It was like yeah. straight down boards. And if you weren't that way, then you felt like you needed to diet. And I agree. Like my mom was kind of the same way, like very well intentioned, but she had her own body image ideas and still does struggle with that. And I think that just kind of gets passed down to you. So I love that you took that concept and kind of tap into some of those things that we've had pushed on us for years and years and years. So I know that you're really big on like intuitive eating. And I know that that's kind of a buzzword I feel like lately is a lot of people are using that intuitive eating. But can you explain exactly what that means to people? Yeah. So I love that you're asking this. And I I think it is amazing that intuitive eating is this trend and buzzword. And, you know, I'm talking to to you about it, reporters, things like that. And also it's just hilarious to me because intuitive eating is actually just eating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's actually just eating the way that we were meant to eat before diets came into play, before we started thinking we needed to like outsource our eating decisions to our phones. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's actually just eating the way that we as human beings are 
physiologically and psychologically supposed to be eating. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the fact that it's a trend means that more people are getting into it, which is, is phenomenal. But I, when I think when I put it like that, you're like, Oh, huh. Okay. So it's not like celery juice or intermittent fasting. It's not some like unfounded trend It's actually just what we're supposed to be doing as, as humans. So intuitive eating in its like, I guess, truest sense is actually an evidence-based framework founded by two dietitians back in 1995. And that is, like I said, it's, it's in its truest sense. You're going to see things about intuitive eating on Instagram or on Pinterest or ads that talk about intuitive eating, but aren't actually like founded in the same principles and evidence that intuitive eating, like capital I, capital E, like trademark is. So the way that the intuitive eating creators kind of describe it is that it's a self-care eating framework that integrates instinct, emotion, and rational thought. Mm. The version that we see online often around intuitive eating is very overly simplified to just be like, eat whatever you want, whenever you want. Mm -hmm. And someone hears that and they're like, well, but if I do that, I'm just going to eat donuts and pizza all day. And like, how is that supposed to make me healthier? Mm -hmm. But that's not really what it's about. Right. Because if you start to bring in rational thought, you recognize, okay, well, if I eat pizza and donuts all the time, I'm not going to feel very good. So there are actually 10 principles that kind of guide the, the process. And you can read all about them in the intuitive eating book. And inside of Flourish, we, we pull from those principles. Absolutely. And we bring in some other evidence-based frameworks, especially around the, the psychology and mindset piece of it, because underlying everything you put in your mouth is a decision underlying everything that you do with your body is a, is a, is a thought rather. And so we bring in the psychology and mindset piece to it as well. And the other thing is that in the intuitive eating book, these 10 principles are in a very specific order. And we find that while that specific order works for a lot of people, it doesn't necessarily work for every single person. So that's where the kind of individualized coaching that we do inside of Flourish is, is really beneficial. The 10th principle in intuitive eating is gentle nutrition. And sometimes For some of our members, we actually want to bring that a little further or a little earlier in the journey, because that's, what's going to make the most, the most sense and, and be the most effective for them in healing their relationship with food and also installing those healthy habits that they want to install. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With your coaching, do you feel like with women, have you seen kind of a trend where, you know, we fall off the positive mindset or I guess the way that we view ourselves because for me this is something that I've struggled with too I've done every diet I mean if you can name it I've done it I've paid all the dollars to like Nutrisystem all the things I've done all of it but I will say that it's it's interesting because with intuitive eating I was doing some research and kind of learning about it. I feel like there we are taught growing up that food is bad. Like, okay, you know, a cupcake is bad. Like, this is good. And so you start to split that up and then there's like guilt associated. Like, oh, I ate something bad because that makes me bad. So I'm wondering with coaching, have where do you find with most of your women that they start to just absorb that mindset of like good versus bad food? I can't touch it. Yeah. Well, those beliefs run deep. I think y'all both touched on it. Like it can be passed down to you kind of intergenerationally. And that makes it something that you kind of instill within yourself. Your own behavior may bolster that, that, uh, that statement. Right. So I, I think we, we had a, a member and I remember she came into the program feeling like cookies were her bad food, right? She said, cookies are bad. So I keep them out of my house. I keep them away from me. 
But then every time I'm outside of my house and I'm around a cookie, I'm completely out of control. And that reinforces this belief that cookies are bad. Look at the evidence. I can't control myself around cookies. They must be bad. Mm -hmm. But when we actually recognize that that belief that cookies are bad is actually what is the prerequisite for your feeling out of control around cookies, right? Like that's the actual problem, the belief, not the cookie. Mm-hmm. So we, we worked with this member to kind of truly neutralize her relationship with cookies by actually increasing her exposure to cookies. And then she was able to have cookies in the house and have like a little stash of cookies that when she wanted a cookie, she'd have one. And when she didn't, it wasn't a big deal because she had, again, like created that exposure and, and a normal, healthy relationship with, with cookies. So that's what I mean about kind of also balancing not only the, the nutrition education side of things that we do, but also taking a really deep look at what thoughts that you're having about food, about yourself, about that relationship between the two. Because if you're only focusing on like the healthy habits, if you're only focusing on eating more veggies and eating less ice cream, for example, and you still have the underlying thought of I'm someone who can't control myself around sugar, what do you think is going to happen when you end up in a situation around sugar? So we have to to, to, to do both very much. Yeah, she's like speaking to my soul. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's so, it's so interesting because you think about it and you're like, well, yeah, like that makes total sense. But like you have to like do the work that's like deep, deeply ingrained in you to get rid of that, I feel like. Yes, and that's why I love talking to women about their diet history and when you zoom out and you're like, wait, this is something I've been thinking about and worrying about since I was like 11 years old, then you're like, well, okay. With that context in mind, of course, a 30 day reset's not going to work. Of course, tracking my food on my phone is not going to work. Like this actually does go way deeper than that. And going down that journey by yourself can feel really scary. And that's what you know, Flourish is there to do to hold your hand through both, you know, obviously the the expert coaching and, and that support, but also the community support as well. Because I know at least for me going through my diet history, I thought I was the only one who felt out of control around food late at night and every single weekend. I thought I was the only one that would have a f- mental breakdown every time I went shopping for jeans or a bathing suit. And then you come into Flourish and you get in a room and you're surrounded by, you know, virtually at least all these women that you think like, oh, she looks super cool. Like her job seems awesome. She seems really successful. And you're like, oh, and she struggles with this stuff too. Whoa, I feel way less of a freak now. (laughs) And and that like the removal of the shame is just, that's a healing in and of itself. And I I like to envision that it, it just sort of paves the way for more healing to happen too. Yeah. I feel like that's so awesome to have that app, to have that support. I know that that's the part of like the Weight Watchers and things like that, that you actually enjoy is having those like meetings. If you ever went to those, those were like super informative and you felt like you weren't alone. But I think it is important to tap into the side that you are tapping into, which is the individuality of it. It's not a one size fits all program. So can you talk a little bit about like the individualized part of your program versus like the group coaching? Yeah, absolutely. So when I think of the the program, I mean, I have different frameworks and kind of ways I talk about it, but I like to think about the group coaching and the curriculum as kind of like the background music or like mm-hmm. the backbone of the experience. But really, at least for most of our members, certainly when they're starting their journey, the, the real like magic happens in those private coaching sessions. So 
our premium members get unlimited access to our mindset coaches and our nutrition coaches. Um, it always starts with an initial strategy session. And that's kind of a space where you share a little bit of your history. Where do you want to go in the future? Like what would success look like for you? And then we actually have a tool called the growth path. So our, our coaches are on those calls, collecting information, kind of, um, we also have an assessment that our members take. So they take the information from the assessment and that initial strategy call, and then they actually create a growth path, which is a living, breathing document, essentially, that follows the member throughout their journey and adds structure to, to this experience. And I like to share kind of the contrast of, of two specific members that come to mind. So and they had very different journeys, but all within the, the same kind of container. So um, Marguerite is a member who came to us and she was dealing with type two diabetes and, and it was not well managed at all, despite all of her efforts, right? She'd done all the things of low carb diet, keto diet, no carbs, like all the things that she was being told by, by doctors, by certainly social media that she should be doing to manage her diabetes and also, you know, in, in her case, like control her weight. And that was really what she was focused on. So for her, we actually, she's one of those ones where we actually brought gentle nutrition earlier in her experience. Cause she needed to be taught like sound nutrition science. Like mm -hmm. it is, it is actually very unwise for someone with type two diabetes to completely go without carbs. It's, mm -hmm. it's in fact, it's unwise. I think for, for everyone <laughs> um, specific medical conditions, notwithstanding, but for her specifically, right? So bringing in a little bit more structure around her nutrition. And, and she got to a place where she was so much less reliant on insulin. It was, it was actually pretty incredible. And her, her weight was dropping and she was, it was just really, really beautiful to witness. On the other hand would be a, a member, um, her name's Elizabeth. And she came to us and she was by her own reports in a 15 year binge restrict cycle. She'd come to us after doing several whole thirties in a row, um, recognizing she felt really good when she was on the whole 30. And then when she was off, it was you know, no holds barred, like off the wagon. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for her bringing in gentle nutrition or any idea of nutrition would not have been helpful early on in the journey. Cause she would have just taken whatever kind of rules quote unquote that we gave her and turned that into a diet, turned it into an all or nothing thing. Right. So instead for her, it was actually about increasing her freedom around food and actually increasing her exposure to some of those foods that she always considered bad so that she could have an honest relationship with them. Right. Mm -hmm. If it was cookies, for example, actually like going out and eating the cookies and seeing how you felt, recognizing, okay, I actually feel fine after I eat one cookie. It's when I eat five, six, seven, eight cookies that I don't feel so good. So maybe cookies actually do have a place because I feel fine and I happen to really like cookies. And that's a really <laughs> good reason to eat food is just because you like it. Uh -huh. um, so those are kind of, again, two two very distinct examples that, that come to mind to illustrate that individualized aspect of, of the program and why we will never take it away. Yeah. The personal coaching. Mm -hmm. I mean, over time, Brittany and I have just been learning about coaching as a whole, that it focuses on the future. Like you're trying yeah. to get growth for the future, but you know, therapist counseling is more pulling from the past. But in this sense, I feel like you have a little bit of both. You have to, to be able to build. So I bet you've heard some incredible stories starting out and just some crazy ones where you're like, how did this happen? I cannot believe that is how you got to this point. And the reason why I bring that up is just, have you seen a success story that just comes to mind that you just started off with someone that you have seen such a damaging um, relationship with food and now they're just like totally different, like a 180. Yeah, I mean, this may sound like a cop-out, but that's like most of our members. That's and awesome. you say like someone comes into the program and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. I don't know how that happened. 
nothing surprises me anymore. In fact, yeah. like I, I feel like I used to feel that way about myself, right? Like my journey, oh my gosh, that's so wild. Like, how did I get to that point? And through going through my personal journey and now working with hundreds of women all around the world, it's kind of, my reaction is almost more like, no wonder. Like I, what I actually think is more amazing is if you can grow up in our society and have a normal relationship with your body and have a healthy, happy relationship with food. That's actually my, my younger sister. I grew up and obviously was really struggling with body image, really struggling with food. And I think my mom learned a lot from what I went through and the pain that that caused for me. And then I was also there to protect my sister. My sister has like the healthiest, happiest relationship with food I've ever seen. She's never been on a diet. She's never worried a single second about any of it. And I'm like, you're the weirdo. (laughs) How, how, how with our mom, with, with all this stuff in the world, with all of your friends on diets, like that's what I've learned is actually that unfortunately, especially for us as women and what we are up against in terms of unrealistic beauty standards. And again, like that intergenerational trauma, like it is amazing that any of us come out unscathed. What is the one fad diet? I'm kind of putting it out there. What's the one that like drives you the most insane? Like that's like, oh. that is not real or what we should be doing. Because I mean, just thinking about it, once I had started my journey, like having a healthier relationship with food, I feel like I looked back and I was like, why did I think that that was going to be reliable, like over a long period of time? So I'm just wondering what comes to mind, like as your role, you're like, man, that's annoying that that is what's being out there. Yeah. I mean, I don't like to pick favorites and really every diet bothers me. (laughs) Yeah. A lot. And and that is really like the, the issue is like, it's not, it's certainly not the dieter. That's the problem. And it's not one specific diet. That's the problem. It is literally the industry and the impact that it has on culture and like vice versa. I would say, I mean, literally like 10 come to mind, but I'll say two come to mind first. Cause I, I want to answer your question. One that I just think is hilarious looking back now that we're, you know, almost done with 2021 is celery juice celery juice hit the scene and made it big in like Mm -hmm. all of 2019. Like we were all drinking our celery juice thinking like, oh my gosh, my acne, my eczema, my IBS, my depression, like everything's going to be fixed with this magical elixir. And then COVID hit. And I haven't heard a damn word about celery juice in so long. I did that. I did it. And it did not work after a while. But it's true. It's like everyone was like, got to buy your bundles of celery. Oh my God. Celery juice had its moment. And then the other one I would say is, is keto. Mm-hmm. Eating food that you enjoy is part of health, right? Having a healthy relationship with food is part of health. And not only do most of us love carbs because they're just delicious, but we are like literally wired to eat carbs. And so to completely eliminate them, is just not sustainable mm-hmm. for so many different ways or for so many different reasons rather. And so that's, that's probably the, the other one that drives me a, a little bit crazy. <laughs> um, and again, there, there are certain instances from like a medical standpoint that keto is advised, but like by and large for most people, it's, it's just unnecessary and it perpetuates this all on all off mm-hmm. mentality with carbs, which are delicious and our bodies preferred our brain and body's preferred fuel source. Yeah. Okay. So I'm kind of going back through and thinking about like this intuitive eating and I'm still having this issue with it because I'm like, okay, great. Like what if I just saw a cupcake? I want to eat a cupcake. But do you also touch on like the healthy, like what is actually good 
fueling for your body and is that the base of it and then intuitive eating kind of just slides in there where if you're craving a cookie you should have that cookie so you don't end up binging five cookies later on like is that where your basis like stands yes i think (laughs) i think if i'm understanding your question correctly i would say yes right and again if you're someone who has for a long time, had really rigid rules around what to eat, when to eat, how to eat, what's okay, what's not. The idea of intuitive eating, especially the oversimplified version of it, which is just eat what what you want, when you want, it feels really scary. It feels very chaotic. Mm -hmm. And if you look at what you're doing, it may also be kind of scary and chaotic, right? Mm -hmm. If you said, okay, here are five, 10 different foods that are all off limits, cookies, ice cream, pizza. And then when I go on vacation with my partner and I'm around cookies, ice cream, and pizza, and I eat myself sick, that's also kind of chaotic and scary, Mm -hmm. right? Being a grown woman and feeling like you can't control yourself around any specific food is also kind of chaotic and scary, right? So I like to just draw attention to that that that's like the playing field yeah. right now. What do you feel is the best food for your body nutritious wise? Like I know we're t- we talked about celery juice and how that's like <laughs> such a fad, but yeah, if you were to pick like, you know, your main food groups, what do you tell people to focus on? I feel like that's like such an old school way of thinking, but you know, when you're younger and you're growing up with like your food triangle yeah. and you're thinking about all your different things, like what do you tell your clients right off the bat? Yeah. So I'd say we don't necessarily tell every member right off the bat, right? Like that these are the foods that you should be eating. And I I would argue that we don't tell any member, like these are the foods you should be eating. Cause we want, we want to respect people's individuality. We certainly want to respect people's history. And again, if you're coming in with a long history of of dieting or uh, disordered eating history, then you're just going to take that and turn it into another, another diet. Mm -hmm. But things that we do talk about one is, is blood sugar management, right? Because let's say we're working on developing a healthy relationship with donuts, right? If donuts are a specific food, like a trigger food for you, and you feel really out of control with donuts. And as part of like your journey, you're going to allow yourself to have freedom with donuts. Well, if you eat a donut first thing in the morning, one, two, three donuts, doesn't matter how many, right? It's going to spike your blood sugar. And then you're going to quickly crash. And then your body knows when it's low blood sugar, the fastest, easiest, most efficient way to get your blood sugar normal again is to have more sugar, to have more carbs. Mm-hmm. So it just perpetuates that cycle of donuts or cookies or what, you know, whatever the food is. So if we're still working on your relationship with donuts, the answer in this case isn't to say, well, don't eat donuts. It's to say, hey, have a donut, but have it with like some Greek yogurt or have it with a couple of hard boiled eggs, right? To have it in actually a balanced, a balanced meal, right? So proper blood sugar management, and, and macronutrient education, understanding that each of the three macronutrients serves a unique and necessary function within your body and has a, a distinct kind of impact on your blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And being empowered with that knowledge to make decisions for your body is not the same thing as being on a diet, right? That you can make empowered decisions around nutrition. And we call that basically fighting food fear with body wisdom, recognizing that having a donut is no big deal. But if I have a donut by itself with a cup of coffee, like my cortisol and blood sugar are just going to be through the roof. And I'm going to feel like shit for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. But if I turn this into a balanced meal, having a donut is still no big deal. And I can go the rest of the day and have a a, a great time and continue to, to fuel myself properly. So again, blood sugar management, the, the function 
of, of macronutrients and, and kind of how to take that and again, like empower yourself with that knowledge versus turning it into like rigid guidelines or, or food rules that you need to follow. And if you don't follow them, you're bad and you're off the wagon. Um, and then the other thing I would just say is variety. Mm-hmm. variety in terms of the, the colors of food that you eat, right? Making sure that you're getting in, yes, lots of fruits and vegetables. We are very pro fruits and vegetables <laughs> inside of Flourish, but also that you're experiencing a variety of, of textures in your food, of flavors. Like there is so much benefit to, to simply eating a wide variety of food. It's great for your gut health. It's, it's obviously it's, it's the most sustainable or at least for most people, although I know some love eating the same thing over and over again every day. And, and that's, you know, <laughs> we can work with that too, but I would say those are Again, if I had to offer like a blanketed kind of list or statement for every single person listening to this podcast, I would say those are some great places to start. And again, everyone's journey is going to be a, a little bit different. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, that's a really good answer. And I I do want to touch on this is a podcast as well. Flourish has a podcast, has a platform. Yeah. So do you talk about just openly different topics on every single episode or what do you hone in on? Yeah, the, the podcast is, is really fun. It's mostly solo episodes with me. So if you've enjoyed listening to me blab here, come check us out. I'm <laughs> blabbing over there too. Although we are starting to bring on more guests, which I'm, I'm excited about. They're usually 15 to 25 minute episodes, like super short and sweet. Um, I like to kind of teach on a lesson, whether we're talking about maybe, for example, blood sugar management, or we dive deep quite a bit into to body image. I recently just did an episode all about the impact that Zoom is having on body image. Typically the format is kind of like I introduce a topic, I share research on that topic because it's really important that everything we do has strong evidence to, to back it up, that we are living and working in like the snake oil um, industry <laughs> and we are really trying to be like the counter to that. So yeah, so introduce the topics, share some of the, the research and, and findings there. And then typically I like to offer like an actionable takeaway because I, I don't like, I mean, I think getting inspiration is great, but inspiration without action is just spending mm-hmm. time. And mm-hmm. so I, I really want the podcast to be something that you can absorb and take action with. And if you recognize that the content is valuable to you, it's important to you, it's something that you want to spend time on, and you still struggle to implement what we're talking about, that's where becoming a Flourish member, getting the external accountability is, is huge. I think I see a lot of women kind of suffering in silence with the stuff that is important to them, but they can't hold themselves accountable to it because it's really freaking hard to hold yourself accountable to to stuff Mm -hmm. and feeling ashamed if they need to leverage external accountability. When in reality, it is a powerful thing to recognize like, huh, I'm not really that good at holding myself accountable to eating healthy. And it really matters to me. So instead of just like struggling harder I'm going to hack that and I'm going to make it easy for myself by leveraging external accountability because I can see like 101 other aspects of my life in which I'm successfully leveraging that external accountability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that. So we talked about self-image a little bit with women and kind of our body image, at, at least when we were growing up, you know, how different it is now. Like, what do you see in this group that you have of women? What do you see that they struggle the most with and what is the most common thing that women struggle with? Yeah. Body image is huge. And I firmly believe that we can't talk about struggles with food without talking about struggles with body image. I think for most of us, if we were just like alone on an Island and never had a mirror, never had a (laughs) selfie, like we would just eat whatever we wanted donuts Mm -hmm. or salads or whatever, right. We'd follow our body's cues. It's when the body stuff either personally or kind of again, more like culturally comes into play that 
things start getting a little, a little complicated. Um, so body images is, is a, is a big, a big struggle. And I would say specifically for our, our members and kind of some of the things that we work with them on first is recognizing that body image is not binary, meaning like <laughs> your options are not either you hate your body or you love your body. And I think that's what people think is like, okay, so I hate my body now. And the only other option here is loving it. And I couldn't possibly love the way I look right now. I mean, look at me, like, right. And so they just stay stuck. Mm-hmm. I, I actually have like a corporate wellness presentation where I literally put like a spectrum, right? There's love and hate. And there's like so many different things in between. We explore concepts like body acceptance, body neutrality, body respect. And those all look, they can be sort of explored as a journey, or you can just recognize like, I actually don't want to love my body. Like, I just want to wear like sweatshirts and no makeup and like not really care about what I look like, in which case maybe it's body neutrality is, is more so kind of the path or the the goal for you. So I would say that's a struggle and kind of a clarifying point is recognizing that if you hate your body right now, the, the other option isn't simply to love your body because that's never going to feel accessible. And again, you're probably just going to stay stuck. I would say the other, again, point of clarity that our members have early on is recognizing that having like good or healthy or normal body image, whatever you want to call it, doesn't mean that you never have a bad body image day. Like my, my kind of example I always use here is, is Kim Kardashian or any of the Kardashians really, who literally, I mean, obviously they have every resource in the world they could ever want. And they literally created their own body. And in fact, like created an entire beauty standard, right? They created their own body. They have the resources to do whatever it is that they want with their body. And Kim Kardashian has talked about publicly having body dysmorphia. So if Kim Kardashian, who literally created her own body, still has bad body image days, the rest of us are too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Whether it's, you know, you see a picture that you don't like from your friend's wedding or your period starting and every single month, you know, on day mm-hmm. 24 of your cycle that you're going to have a bad body image day or whatever the case <laughs> may be. And so just kind of like, setting a different standard for yourself, recognizing that my goal here isn't that I have a hundred percent good body image days, because if that's your goal, you're setting yourself up to fail. Yeah, that's good. I, all of that's good because I, I mean, I honestly, until you said that I really did view it like you either love your body a hundred percent and that's what you've worked towards and that's the goal or you hate it. And there's no in between. So I love that you put it that way because that spoke to me really well. And I just, I appreciate you coming on and sharing everything. And we love love to ask this question in all of our interviews. And so if you could go back in time and tell younger Claire something that would help yourself now in your journey, what would it be? Whether it be about health, about business, anything that would help yourself today. This is one that I would love to tell myself. And I do actually now tell myself, I literally have it on a sticky note right here. And that is that you are 100% worthy and that nothing you do or say or achieve. And certainly no matter the number on the scale, nothing can change your worthiness, that your worthiness is always at a hundred percent. And I say that to myself now, not because I actually, I, you know, for the most part, I, again, I have bad body image days, but I don't really struggle with body image day in and day out. But I will say, I've recognized that while I no longer place my worth in my scale or how I look, I definitely have recognize there are moments where I place my worth in how the business is doing or how many podcast downloads we had, right? Anytime that you place your worth outside of you, Brene Brown calls it hustling for worthiness. It's just not going to work because your worth is already like a hundred percent given to you at birth. So that's, that's what I would tell my younger self. 
Love that. Love that so much. Can you tell everyone where they can find you if they want to join the Flourish membership, how they would do so? Give us the deets. Yeah. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at Claire underscore Siegel. Um, you can follow Flourish at We Flourish app. Um, and if you want to join Flourish, head to weflourish.com. And I can give, we're actually still invite only, but what I will do is after this episode, I'll get with my team and we'll get a special access code set up for your listeners. And then awesome. they can just click it in the show notes or whatever. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and giving us all the insight. We really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is so fun. Yes, and thank you so much to everyone that's listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than a Season Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season Podcast for the latest updates. If you've enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time.